When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Feel good. First, what's that game? Is that technically a game winner? First one. But, uh, Question. All right, here we go. Smart. Looking. Looking for Tatum. Gets it in. Tatum takes it. Makes it. Edwards says, I am hot. Oh, man. Kemba right away. Walker goes baseline, sends it back out to Smart. He'll try a three. Got it. Marcus Smart is so good. Marcus Smart is so good. Smart, same spot, same result. Haywood again comes away with it on the run. Bounce pass. Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Coming up on the show, a look back at this recent end of December stretch for the Celtics, plus a review of Gordon Hayward's return so far. Then a little bit later, a look ahead to the upcoming January schedule. And finally, with the year and the decade coming to an end, we'll get to our favorite Celtic moments of not only 2019, but of the decade. Joining me as he often does to talk about it all and so much more, Jackson aka Rickman lives Jackson what's been going on hey man um yeah not, not a lot it's obviously Christmas Merry Christmas to all the um to all the redditors out there in uh, Boston Celtics land uh lovely spending time with you as always and uh yeah yeah now things are good man I hope you had a good Christmas I trust nice very chill lots of lots of Celtics games predominantly Celtics wins so um <laughs> that puts me in a good mood over Christmas which in turn makes my family happy so uh wins all around now it has been a little while since we've had one of the OGs on the podcast, been about two weeks. So welcome back, Jackson. We've, we've had some great guests on from the Celtics Reddit community over the past two weeks. But Jackson, seeing as it has been a little while, how have your feelings about the Celtics team changed, if at all, over this sort of recent stretch? Okay, so when we say changed from the last time we spoke? or Sure, so, yeah. Yeah, so to update everyone out there, the last time we spoke was after the back-to-back uh, losses against the Pacers and the Sixers. Sure. Okay. Um, so obviously those two losses sucked a lot. I um I didn't like them at all. The Pacers one, I was I was I expected we'd drop one of them, and I thought the Pacers it were t- typically a bit of a sticky team for us, particularly when we're on the road. So there was no problem with that in particular. But um, the Philly loss really hurt. So I don't know. It, it's hard to separate your feelings from like a bit of recency bias, mm. particularly after a loss. So I was starting to think to myself, eh, like maybe we should be really like contemplating something more in the line of like the third or the fourth seed um, rather than the second, let alone the first. 
So cool. I don't know if I was like how strongly I was feeling that. But then obviously every game since then, um, probably up until the Toronto game yesterday, um, was just exceptional. Like, you know, you're taking into account that we didn't have Haywood for a lot of it. We didn't have Smart for pretty much all of it. Um, Jalen Brown's performance, Tatum's performance, um, it, it, it re- inspired a lot of optimism. And I was starting to think to myself, and maybe the one seed's back on here. Um, and to a degree, I still think it is. But um, I think losing to Toronto hurt, particularly, particularly after beating them so recently, just a few days ago on their uh-huh. home court, they get us back again. It kind of feels like that was sort of for nothing now. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still feeling like we're probably the second best team in the East. Um, sure. And, and that's probably the second yeah, best team and, in the East. And that's probably where I'm standing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I felt at the time, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely second for the Celtics at the moment. What about yeah. you? Yeah. Well, first on the Toronto game, like you touched on it a, a second ago, they lost today to the OKC Thunder, which is validating, right? Like yeah. uh, identical circumstances. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that was nice to see. And it kind of validates our position losing to them uh, a couple of days ago. And j- just quickly on that game, we're not going to break down that game. I think it was just one of those nights for the Celtics. I, totally. I didn't walk away from that feeling particularly concerned or alarmed on, on any fronts. Um, uh, maybe Hayward was a little tentative in the first half. And even though he's still not hitting many of his shots, he did come out strong in the second half uh, in terms of his aggressiveness. So that was good to see. So on to the next one. Yeah, I'm... Um... Yeah, I'm not reading too much into it at all because the second night of a back-to-back, even though we are at home, um, Toronto looked a much fresher team. They looked way more up for it. We just missed so many layups and so many just shots that just have been falling so like almost like reliably over mm. the past like couple of weeks. So when they weren't going in, you just start to think to yourself, oh man, it's not going to be one of those nights. And Toronto, like even down, um, you know, three very key and arguably their best player, um just played like champions really and they just confirmed to me that like they they're to be not to be reckoned with um you know lightly they're a very very good team and they want to defend um the title so yeah it was one of those nights hurt a little bit but um you know given the circumstances of how Toronto lost today I don't think anyone should be losing any sleep over it and I don't think particularly the players won't be either yeah, just a shitty night for the Celts. It, it happens. We all, we all have our shitty days, our shitty nights, and sometimes an entire cluster of people that form a professional basketball team can also yeah. have a shitty they night. They all came down one. with the shit syndrome. Unfortunately. Uh, but look, the Celtics, as of today, the fourth best record in the league, the third best net rating, and here's a spicy one for you. In terms of points allowed per possession, second in the league at defending the pick and roll. Um, stick that up your... Uh, your uh, face. You just can't turn <laughs> haters. It's going to say something much worse. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, actually, if you, if you head over to stats.nba.com and filter defensive team stats by play type, the Celtics are impressively ranked across basically every play type. However, I'm getting to my point here. In the past two weeks, 5-1, and one, the second best net rating behind Milwaukee, of course, in the league, leading the league in rebounding, which... Throughout wow. the decade, yeah. I don't know if we've ever had that luxury of leading the league in, in rebounding, um, and here we are. Yeah, it's, it, it's insane. I would, I would say we owe eighty percent, if not more, of that to just one Enos Cantor. To be perfectly honest, I mean, uh-huh. I know he's not out there all the time. Like he is a bit of a liability on uh, defense still, although he's not as bad as I thought he would be. Um, when it comes to second chance points um, and just, you know, being there. He doesn't so much get a lot of rebounds and bring him down and restart the play. So many of them are just like two or three tips at the bucket and then on the third attempt it goes in. So um, I don't call that... Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) say it's particularly stat padding or anything like that, but like, you know, he's there to keep the play 
um, alive. And uh, particularly in this last month, it's been noticeable because, um, yeah, I didn't have high hopes for Cantor. And I still think he's by far, he's far and away like from my most important player. But there are nights when he's really, really handy. And I think we probably would have lost a couple more games um, without his rebounding. I think this month even in particular. So, um, yeah, no, I'm happy to see where, how he's going, particularly in that department. Yeah, definitely a huge improvement. And the fact that it doesn't seem to be detracting overall from my pick and roll defense, which which is a huge concern with, with Cantor going in, that's a really good sign. Definitely something that I've been uh, surprised over over the past two weeks. Something that's maybe altered my perception of, of where this team can go, given that that hasn't been a glaring hole for us. Mm. Um, the other thing, and it's crazy that we've gone you know six minutes without mentioning this, uh, the Jays, Jaylen both Park, averaging yeah. about 24 points per game each. I think... Jalen is averaging 57% from the field. Tatum is averaging 47% from the field. It looks like over the past couple of weeks, Jalen's also shooting 57% from mm-hmm. three, yeah. which is nuts. His efficiency... It feels like um, it too. Yeah, and yeah. It's just the, the fact that um, you know the concerns around Tatum have been his lack of efficiency. Um, it's sort of patched up by this incredible efficiency by by Jalen Brown. And as a two-piece, like they just fit together... Yeah. Perfectly. And there's this sort of underlying notion of it's like a calming, comforting, like everything's going to be okay. Even if this season doesn't work out, like we've got those guys kind of locked up and they're young and they're talented. Um, It's just, you know, in that sense, um, beyond the scope of the season, everything feels good yeah how else to put it no no you're right you know i'll keep coming back that that um brilliant um uh jalen brown is scorpion and jason tatum is uh is uh sub-zero fire yeah that keeps coming to mind like particularly when you talked about efficiency you know jalen's been crazy efficient you said he shoots 50 7 percent from threes it feels like it's higher than that probably barring the raptors game uh yesterday but um every time he takes a, a shot i just feel like it's going in and tatum maybe not so much but you know he's had now a couple of periods uh i think it was charlotte was the first one where he just went ape in the in the fourth quarter it was with 24 points or something he scored and then i think there was even a period of stretch in the cleveland game where he just it didn't seem like he could miss either so he gets like ultra hot for a little while and it seems like we're actually willing to give him the ball and like take control or be like just be the guy when he's hot as well so i like that i like that we don't do it all the time but i like that like when it's apparent that he's on he gets fed so I, I want to see that continue more. So yeah, like the duality of having, you know, even if Tatum is inefficient, the fact that he can get hot and we, you know, he, he, he does versus Jalen's overall just really reliable, really consistent um, game. Um, yeah, it, it's like, it, I don't think it's sustainable, particularly in like long stretches. I think we'll probably go away, come back a little bit over the season, but it's, it feels like it's looking sure. at the future. It feels like this is what we can expect like night in, night out, maybe in like two or three seasons time for them. They're so young, like it gets beaten to death, but they're just, they're, they're babies. And they're already this good and they're going to grow together. And it's just, it's just really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And it's also like our NBA, NBA Reddit has not always been a welcoming place for the average or any, any Celtics fan. Mm-hmm. And there's this love for the Jays that's sort of happening at the moment that it seems to be universal, uh, I guess, because of the organic nature and how the Jays were acquired, you know, through the draft and then some play development. It's actually really nice. And like, you can't, you know, if you're a self-respecting, even semi-informed NBA fan, you're aware of that. And people are sort of all sharing in that love for the Jays, no matter mm. their their team allegiance, which is really good. I do have to correct myself very quickly. Jalen Brown, 47% from three over the past two weeks, not 50%, 57%. That was actually uh, Grant Williams. It feels like, like 47 <laughs> It feels much higher than 47 <laughs> but it's not. 
yeah, very, very high. And, uh, you know, shout out to Grant Williams, uh, just continuing to, to knock down shots now after um, an insane drought to start his NBA career. But but things are looking good. So so the last couple of weeks have been very interesting. But as the season unfolds, I'm curious, Jackson, what are maybe emerging as some of the biggest surprises for the Celtics so far from your perspective? Okay, surprises. I think Jalen Brown's performance, his leap or the justification of his contract is like probably comes to mind the most at the moment. Um, I guess I am surprised in the sense that we look as... where we play so well as a team cohesively um, as well as we do already. Like I think I didn't really expect us to be playing at this level around about now. I expected glimpses, but not to the point where it gives us the fourth best record in the league. Um, so I'd say, I'd say Jalen is probably first and foremost. Um, I don't, I really don't, I don't know beyond that. The whole season has been kind of a pleasant surprise. It's hard to really like pinpoint, like what, what's, what's it been for you, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I definitely had Jalen first. That's the biggest one. Just his, you know, you'll expect a, a player going from year three to year four or whatever. Um, you in Tatum's case, year. Uh, two, two to three. three, I believe it is. Um, you all expect them to make a jump, and that's why they often are out of the running for most improved player because it's expected of them. Um, definitely, Jalen Brown. Uh, none of us expected him. No one ever, probably not even himself, uh, to make a leap of of, of that uh, size. Brad Wanamaker, though, I think has been mm. a surprisingly serviceable backup point guard. Uh, and with Smart missing some time and Romeo Langford missing some time, you know, a lot of people thought with his draft position in the lottery there at 14 that perhaps he would be entitled to some uh, immediate rotation minutes. Yeah. Um, but Wanamaker has been solid. And I don't have the stats here, but I, I feel like he's one of our best grifters, like our best at getting to the line uh, and, and drawing a foul, often on the fast break. Um, very, very surprisingly impressed with Brad Wanamaker. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to feel that way. I think he's our best free throw shooter as well. But yeah, percentage, that's true. yeah, too. I thought he would be like one of Brad's sort of success stories. He tends to do that to a lot of like, you know, unfancied players. I thought last season that it was actually going to be Brad Wanamaker was going to come in and be a really competent, really surprising backup point guard. Didn't really happen for a lot of reasons because A, we had Terry Rozier and B, we were just pretty like bang average overall. But yep. this season, no, you're 100% right. He's he's, uh, he's taken that, um, that backup guard role on really, really well. Um, you know, solid, not spectacular, reliable, um, good free throw shooter. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel any anxiety. I don't feel like, Oh shit, here we go. Like how I felt like when, you know, Mr. Rogier was, was uh, deputizing uh, last <laughs> season. Uh, yeah. No, uh-huh. he's, he's calming influence and he's, he's the oldest guy on the team too. So he probably brings that almost like Al Horford father figureness to yeah. the team in a, in a light way, I guess. He's our savvy veteran. Uh, I have to put Cantor, and Romeo Langford down as a recent surprises. It, it's really, yeah, yeah. it comes back to why we're talking about this, this past two week stretch, which, uh, you know, five and one, it, it's been, it's been a successful stretch for the Celtics. A lot of that has had to do with Ines Cantor, less so Romeo Langford. Uh, but the surprising elements from each of them come from their impacts off the bench. Romeo with his surprisingly uh, competent defense uh, in the NBA with, with such little minutes played uh, and Cantor with his insane ability to just, out-rebound anybody to get between the next biggest defender and the and the bucket on either the offensive end or the defensive end and just snatch all of those rebounds, creating so many second-chance points or at least second-chance opportunities for the mm. Celts um, and just generally not being like fucking terrible on the defensive <laughs> end. That has also been very surprising. Yeah. It hasn't been great, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been 
so bad. So that's that's no. been really nice you, to see. You get reminded once, twice a game, like, oh shit, that's right, he's he's not that great at defense, but only like once or twice. You know, it's not like a constant thing. You don't, yeah, you don't like yeah. dread it when he comes in. Um, I guess Tice is worth a, a shout out as well. Like, oh, good we, call. we've yeah. always liked Daniel Tice. He's always been like a, a good guy to have around, but like the fact that he's he's taken that starting center position when I thought it was Cantor's. Um, I even had a sneaking suspicion it could be Rob Williams, but injuries, what have you. Um, but no, he's done well to hold down that starting spot. I think his defense has been great. I think he's, he's a competent three-point shooter. doesn't take a lot, but like, you know, he typically knocks him down. Um, just overall doing a really, really, you know, competent job in the center position. And like, what's briefly on Romeo Langford. I remember like just about 98% of all Celtics fans do when uh, we draft guys that you've never heard of before. You go and you watch their highlights or their scouting reports. And basically everything that I found <laughs> out about Romeo Langford on the negative side seemed to be that he was disengaged on defense and he didn't really put in a lot of efforts. So I was like, okay, shit. Well, Brad's not really going to like that. Um, but I'm not seeing that at all so far. He seems to get a block every game and he's only in like for about like four or five minutes or thereabouts. So, um, and the fact that he's come back from an injury without featuring at all, and now he's actually getting minutes like straight away, it doesn't feel like he's being forced in there. It feels like he's actually earned them or they believe in him enough to, to, um, to, you know, to hang with, uh, with the crew there. So, um, yeah, no, I'm definitely surprised by, uh, by Romeo as well. Yeah, and sure, he's a lottery pick, but his role on this very deep Celtics team is only ever going to be, at least for this year, come in and defend your ass off for five minutes while players who are much more important than you can rest. Yeah. Like that, that's going to be it, barring injuries. Uh, and he's owning that role. You know, he's, he's not stepping outside of, of his lane, if you will, um, and he's just killing it. So it's really, really good to see. I, I want to get to some quick Reddit shout outs before we move on to some Haywood talk. User LeetSpeak posted a tweet by Keith Smith stating that for the first time since November 9th, the Celtics will have had, this is now past tense, I'm doing the conversion live, the Celtics will have had Kemba, Gordo, and Marcus Smart available for the same game, which is kind of nuts and sad because it's like how good could things have been, yeah. and yet things have been great. Um, and then we lost we lost the game, <laughs> uh, which is very yeah. unfortunate. I think the overriding factors were A, the back-to-back, B, it was Smart's first game back and he was on a minutes restriction. And like everyone kept saying, like, my definition of my computer screen wasn't good enough. But they kept talking about how his eyes still looked off. And I don't know if they were like speaking like metaphorically, like he's got the eye, like he really wants to, you know, he's ready to kill, or whether his <laughs> eyes actually looked a bit fucked up because he had like a serious eye infection. Um, you can't tell me that there is absolutely no correlation between that and your ability to like shoot the ball or like, you know, basically play if your vision is, you know, impaired or you're at least, you know, conscious of some distraction with your eyes. So I think, yeah, it's nice to have that team together, like Five Leaf Clover lineup when it played, um, which we noticed, well, you pointed out in the group chat, was actually, you know, doing the goods really well there for a second. So it was great to see that. Um, But, you know, the fact that we lost, disappointing. But yeah, I think the circumstances prevailing means, I think the jury is definitely still out on whether whether that lineup is as good as we think it is, because I think it is. Yeah, well, LaBird33 replied to LeadSpeak's post saying, it might take a little while for everyone to get into rhythm, but it's going to be super interesting to see the lineups we put out there. This is before the game, so like super mm. clairvoyant take there by my LaBird33. Shout yeah. out to LaBird, friend of the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a bummer of a game. We've already touched on that. And while it's been great to sort of have everyone back, barring Time Lord, um, it's probably going to take a little while for everybody to get into rhythm, including one, Gordon Hayward, who we're now going to talk about ad nauseum. So yeah. uh, maybe skip forward 10 minutes if you are not a Gordon Hayward fan. <laughs> um, in, in particular, and we'll get to some of his recent plays, being back for three games now since going out with the, the foot injury. Um, I want to revisit the Hayward 
future contract situation because mm-hmm. lately the the Jays, Tatum and Brown have shown some serious skills, let's say over the past month or so, consistently enough now where like could it now be at the point for Hayward where quote ring chasing or re-signing with the Celtics are actually two of the same thing. Like if he, yeah. at the end of this, where it, where it comes time to decide what to do with his, his future, could he take stock and say, hang on a second, like maybe the best place for me to re-sign to put myself in a position to win is actually where I'm already at with the Celtics as opposed to doing an Al Horford and fleeing yeah. for a, a, a treacherous uh, <laughs> rival. <laughs> yeah. Um, how old is he? Is he 30 or 29? He's 29. Going on okay. 30. Yeah, yeah, so he's going on 30. I'd say he's probably... Still just on the border of too young to be ring chasing just yet. I understand the, the, the injury and circumstances and whatnot, yeah. but I'd say ring chasing is more for you guys who are in like the twilights of their careers. I'd say Haywood's probably, I'd like to think his best years are ahead of him, but you know, I'm sure we're about to dig into that. Um, is ring chasing and so resigning with the Celtics the same thing? I think as long as, I think as long as the Celtics continue to play the way that they are playing, then we're obviously going to be a contender to at least come out of the East. So, and as long as, and if you're, a, if you're a contender or you're a chance to come out of the East and you do make it out of the East, then you're, you're, you're set, you're four wins off winning a title. So as far as like the odds go, I think being with the Celtics is, is definitely one of the better options you can go with. Um, now, if he doesn't want to go with the Celtics, if he wants to go somewhere else um, and, you know, lend his talents to a contender in the West or even in the East, um, is he going to get, how much money is he going to get? Is he going to get the money that he's after? Is he realistically changing his expectations depending on his play and things of that nature? So um, that's got a lot to come into factor. Um, is he actually all right? Is his foot the nerve damage thing that we've all read about and we're all starting to like have night terrors about? Just, yeah. or, is it, or is that just me? Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. waking up sweating every, yeah, every yeah, night yeah. at the moment. <laughs> so is that going to be a thing or what? So there's so much to consider with Hayward. Like, I mean, I think at this point, if I were him... There's so much up in the air. I think the best thing is to just take what we offer. Now, that's obviously a bit of a, a biased thing coming from me too, because I think they would offer him something that they believe he's, he's, he's capable of earning. So, like, same with Jalen Brown, you know, they will pay him accordingly. But yeah, you got to wonder where his head's at. I think sell time with the Celtics is the best, is the best option, just from, from what I can put myself in his shoes. But I don't know. What do you think, man? Well, so just compare it to Al Horford and a little bit, you know, with a, a, a lesser display of athleticism from Gordon Hayward given the injury a couple of years ago and now the, the nerve pain issues now. Um, Hayward, I, I think he's playing comparatively uh, Al Horford role on this team and that he's, you know, he's not leading us in any particular stats, but he is kind of a glue guy. And like wait, we saw it in the mm. Christmas Day game where like, he had like a nice, uh, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but it was like a 14, 6, and 5 or something like that. Like great glue guy stats um, and, and really just getting the most out of all the players around him. And Al Horford last year had a decision to make. He could sign a team-friendly deal to stay with the Celtics. We offered him a little bit less than what he could make on the market. Or he could take all the money and go to, you know, a quote-unquote uh, contender in, in Philly um, or just any team that could really offer him the money. And Al Horford decided to take the money. 
which is fine. It hasn't really worked out all that well for him so far, although that might be an independent case um, for Al Horford. But now, one year later, it's going to be the case where, where Gordon Hayward is faced with a, a similar position. And he can go you know, almost anywhere with cap space and, and sign another max contract, or he can take a little bit less and stay with a Celtics team that seems to have some momentum in the right direction, that seems to have an upward trajectory with good, talented young players and contend for a championship for possibly a very long time. I have to be honest, uh, I have never faced uh, a situation in my life where I've had to decide to choose between millions 12 million and 18 million yeah, dollars yeah. for, <laughs> for an NBA championship. Um, however, I think there's enough, like, again, bias. We're huge Celtics fans, obviously. Huge disclaimer. But add in the Brad Stevens element, the unfinished business from the Butler, you know, near championship win there. It kind of feels like this may be enough where he could do like three years, 20 million a year, like three years, 60 or something like that. 20 million a year is like baller money, literally. Uh, and you get to stay on the same team with the same coach. You don't have to move your kids and your wife across the country. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, his best years hopefully are ahead of him because unfortunately, as we've been able to watch him come back from this injury, it's been really fun to watch him hit all of these milestones. But then. Unfortunately, there's been a few hiccups on the way, a few speed bumps where he's had the hand and the foot again. Mm. And like, we haven't really seen him have a real opportunity to like face. Thought he broke his nose for a second. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he just has the worst luck. And we, we haven't really had this really nice long stretch of just like, here's what this team looks like with Gordon Hayward. And here's what Gordon Hayward looks like with this team. And he might have to re-sign with us for us to get that sample size because it, it might not happen. But yeah. yeah. Um, briefly on the Horford thing, I think that was a case where the money and the ring chasing kind of married up because I think as much as we don't like to admit it, like Philly is, is right there with us in terms of like coming out of the East. So I think in that situation, Ooh. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no, no, I agree. In that, in that <laughs> situation, I think it made sense. And I, I didn't, um, didn't we call him like after he told Philadelphia yes? And we were like, actually, we, we figured it out. We can actually offer you something. And he's like, oh, I've already told him yes. I can't, I think sorry. so, yeah. I, maybe some version of that happened. But I mean, yep. I think his mind was made up anyway. I think if Horford like had the power of hindsight, which, you know, obviously if everyone had things would be very different. But I think if you, <laughs> if, I think if you could see how this Celtics team would be without him, he probably would have stayed. He probably would have stayed. I don't he think anyone could think have anticipated so. like with the upgrade or the, yeah, the, the upgrade, let's just put it like how it is, would have mm-hmm. been as significant as it has been to last season. Um, but as far as Hayward is concerned, yeah, look, um, I don't know real, like off the top of my head, I can't think of anywhere that would, that, that he would, I mean, everyone could use a, a great glue guy, like you said, that used to be, you know, fantastic and still potentially could be. Like he, we did see flashes of it. That's that, uh, that, Cavs game when in Cleveland from earlier this year where like he had that like you know the first player since Wilt Chamberlain to do X record yep. which was amazing um so uh yeah look I hope he stays if someone wants to offer him crazy money which I think someone might be prepared to to take a punt on he might have to consider it but yeah I think I think the Brad Stevens thing the 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 fact his family settled here he's a family guy um I think that will probably pay come into a factor and he's got to be excited by what he sees from Jalen and uh, from, from uh, the Jays, you know, cause they, I mean, they're not going anywhere for a little while. So I think if he feels like, you know, it's a, wor- a, a ride worth staying on, I think he will. I hope he will. Yeah. And I feel like the only team that he would truly consider leaving for would be the Pacers, Indiana. And I think mm, they're all true. capped out with that, you know, that dual big men and Oladipo and, and now Brogdon as well on a, on a larger contract. 
so that's not going to happen very likely very unlikely rather yeah. um but it's going to be interesting to see and I, I just hope between now and when it comes time to deal with all of that that we've seen enough of Hayward and Hayward's seen enough of us as a healthy basketball player where like the two parties can make an informed decision because mm-hmm. I don't feel like you know all the time that he's been here now like we're, we're still not there and that's the most frustrating part absolutely obviously he came back on Christmas Day and he looked great and a lot of people were like see I told you Gordon Hay was the best player on the Celtics and then he had two back-to-back shitty games uh culminating in, in the loss to Toronto yesterday a lot of people were immediately talking about trading Hayward again and how it was a terrible contract and all this sort of anti-Hayward talk. User Marquis James replied to all of those haters and said, we aren't going to go undefeated every single game or the entire season. So mm. stop with the bad takes, please. It's, it's literally one loss. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of merit to that. We just need to allow not only Gordon Hayward, but Marcus Smart to, to get back in rhythm, right? And then yeah. make a judgment. Yeah, it's it, too early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference standings thus far. Obviously, Milwaukee are, are front runners to to finish with the first seed. They're, they're still quite a ways ahead of the rest of us. Uh, the Celtics have dropped down to the, the third seed after the loss to the Raptors the other day. So Miami hold that two spot now. At four, we've got Toronto and Philly, Indiana, and then Brooklyn and sneaky Orlando there in the in the eighth seed. Talking around that, that's sort of the top half of, of the standings there for the East. Do we want the Bucks to falter? Or do we want them to completely seize the number one seed to the detriment of our opponents? Like, do you know what I mean when I'm asking that? I think I do. Yeah. Like, would you rather Milwaukee saw up the one seed, take care of our opponents, you know, in the meantime and make it a little bit pushier for us to get the second seed? Sure. Um, I, I think realistically, I don't think Milwaukee's going to lose a lot of games, to be honest. Like they haven't had Giannis the last couple of games and they've just, just blitzed. They've just blitzed people. Um, mm-hmm. They took care of the Lakers in a big game that was very hyped up. So um, I don't think they're gonna rel- they're going to relinquish the first seed. But um, I've got to be honest, I, was, I wasn't upset when they got done on Christmas Day by Philly. I wasn't upset, <laughs> and I normally I normally hate hate seeing Philadelphia win in any capacity. So that you knew that was a, that was a um, there was a reason behind that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Milwaukee peg back a little bit, even if that opens up the field behind us, even if it makes. You know, it puts some more teams on our tail because I think at the moment the the two, three, four seeds are really up for grabs. It's very congested in there. So if Milwaukee was to be pegged back a bit, it's still going to be congested. But now that first seed is also available, and I think the first seed is very is is going to be super important because I, I we saw what we had two seasons ago, and a lot can change over two seasons. But we saw what we had with it two seasons ago. And we saw what we had with it without it last season to a, a, a team like Milwaukee, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think Milwaukee can go anywhere in a series and win. I think Toronto can probably go anywhere in a series and win. I don't think we we quite can do that yet. I'd put Miami in there as well. Philadelphia is an anomaly. I have no idea. They might switch on for the playoffs. They might not. But I think the higher we can get, including the first seed, the better. So I would rather see Milwaukee shake a little bit. And get that more that get first seed and be more gettable. Obviously, the proviso has to be that we play well and win as well. It's not going to get the second. It's not going to mean yeah. shit if we if we just if we start playing badly as well. But if we can maintain our pace, maybe let's we've been on the last ten games, seven and three. We mm-hmm. can keep that up and just hope Milwaukee just starts to 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 um, you know shake a little bit, fall off a little bit. I think we should try and take that first seed. Yeah, yeah, and I think the Bucks are so much more dependent on their top 
one player, right? Like, they're so much more dependent on, on Giannis, who is fantastic, obviously, um, than we are. Like, we're much deeper. And so if we can focus on being healthy at the right time in the postseason, um, that uh, it's more of a luxury for us, I suppose, because we can deal with some casualties along the way yeah. as, we, as we've been doing so far. If Milwaukee are going to push forward and hold on, hold on to this one seed, um, that comes with the risk of something happening to, to Giannis. If not like an acute injury, then just like a general wear and tear that affects him uh, come playoff time as he starts to get a little bit older, even though he's still quite young, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I, I, I do. I feel like I'm on board with them locking down the one seed to the detriment of our opponents because it, if you know that uh, the implication there is that they're beating everybody else in our conference, um, hopefully, except us, fingers crossed. And it increases our ability to hold on to the to the two seed and get home court advantage yeah. against anybody else other than the Bucks. Yeah, I and mean, we're on the other. I was saying, we're on the other side of the bracket too, so we wouldn't have to face them until the very end. Which I, you know, sure. I guess you got to go through them eventually. But if you can save the most dominant player of like in, almost in NBA history, he's leaning <laughs> towards probably for the best. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at Toronto and Philly. Um, while Philly have been pretty successful against us so far this season, I, I feel like you could decide a series against either of those two teams based on who has home court. Like they're, they're pretty even mm. really end to end. Whereas Milwaukee, you're going to have to come up with something else. Like it doesn't matter if you've got home court advantage or not. They're so good that you, you're going to need to find another way to beat them. Yeah. So I guess that sort of affirms the the push for the second seed. If that yeah. makes any sense. It does. It does. Yeah. And like, look, obviously everyone wants to be the one seed and win the title. That, that goes without saying. It, it's more like realistically, what do you expect where we are versus where the rest of the teams are? And like, if you, if you, if you said to me right now, we're going to stop the season, you're going to be the second seed. Would you take it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely would. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, looking ahead at the Celtics schedule for January, user Rogue Baboon, he had a post about this. He or she had a post about this, sort of. Uh, it went up after the loss to the Raps. The post is titled, Our First Double-Digit Loss Since Opening Night and A Look Ahead. And it outlines some of the more difficult parts of the January schedule, like Sixers uh, in Philadelphia, the Bucks in Milwaukee, uh, we've got the Lakers, the Sixers again, the Rockets in Houston, and the Clippers at home. Uh, those are some difficult games. But what that user does not mention is that of the very many games that we have in January, what I've got here, 17 games in January, 13 of them against sub-500 teams. Mm. Like if you look ahead at the next week, we've got the Hornets, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Spurs before then going up against Philly, unfortunately, but then back to like the Pelicans, the Bulls and the Pistons again. Yeah. Like we've got, unfortunately, a few difficult matchups this month, but really realistically, like we could come out with like 14 wins against these very terrible teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, you, you sense there's going to be a banana skin in there. Like, I don't know why. I'm, I just look at that Chicago game and I'm just like, yeah, just, just, just one of those nights where just we're not on than they are. Like, I'm a, sure. it, it could be any one of those. Let, let's be real. But like, yeah, Charlotte sh- should be a piece of cake. Let's, we really should. I, I know they, they have stretches that we're good against, but like, we just got beaten at home. Like, they better be well up for this. So I think that's fine. Atlanta, I read something on our NBA today. It's like when Trey Young is off the floor, they have the worst offensive rating in like NBA history or something yeah. like that. So they've won six games all year. Yeah, like they are yeah, remarkably terrible. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a that's a pass. Um, 
Washington, yeah, nah, Spurs should be fine at home. And who else are the yeah? Or Bandits, Philly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So basically, I th- I think there's a there's definitely a lot of winnable games there. We do play the Lakers this month. I know we got a we like Sixers. We've been there a couple times. Milwaukee in Milwaukee. Just hopefully that's a competitive game. I just don't want to get blown out for that one. Um, mm-hmm. But then yeah, I think uh, the twenty first our time, which would make it I think the twentieth. I think I think that is a Wednesday in the state. The Thursday for us. I think it might mm-hmm. be. Um, yeah, the Lakers in the TD Garden. That is the one I am looking forward to, no doubt. Oh, yes. Yeah. And regardless of seeding, regardless of what's going on this season, that is just like a, a series within a series. Yeah. You know, we may it's not the see Lakers, them again this year. It's LeBron, it's AD post the whole AD uh, uh, trade shit. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm glad we're seeing them at home. Gives us maybe a slight, uh, slightly better, better chance to win against what it has been a, a pretty good. I'm sorry to say, uh, Lakers team so mm, far. Yeah. Now the year 2019 is about to end, so I want to get into the top moments or two of 2019 for the Celtics and all their fans. Us, the fans. Now, in within the calendar year of, of 2019, that has encapsulated one and a half season, so that doesn't necessarily have to come from the season thus far. Jackson, I throw to you now. <laughs> Best moments 2019, huh? All right. Um, I remember the first game one against the Bucks on the road and we just made them look silly and I remember thinking, oh shit, we've, we've done it. We've, we've clicked. Al Horford, 20 points, 11 rebounds, three assists and all smiles for the Sage veteran. They outscore Milwaukee 60 to 40 in the second half. We finally sorted it out. We're ready to go. And then uh-huh. being brought back to earth um, horribly over the course of the next <laughs> week. So that came to mind, but I'm probably going to get rid of that. Um, man, the it's, it was recent and it's not the sexiest game, but I remember when we went to San Antonio about a month and a half ago, or whatever it was, and just dominated this team that we traditionally had such issue with. I know the Spurs are nowhere near the team that they used to be, but I remember that Rob Williams alley-oop. I remember oh, yeah. um, just... Just, 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 just dominating them. Grant Williams also getting dirty. Back come to Celtics. Devontae Green going up high and coming down hard. Jason Tatum showing off the vision. And that's where the moment that I thought. I know Hayward got injured that game, so that was mm-hmm. like, oh shit. But I remember after that game, just thinking to myself, like, yeah, like we're we're a proper team here. I think I might be maybe confusing like reading Bill Simmons' tweet and getting the same <laughs> the same thing because that was a thing as well too. But I remember just this season alone, like that was great. As far as like the last, like probably the 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 front end of 2019 is concerned like i mean i know i mentioned the bucks thing but it really wasn't that many man i think i'm just gonna go with those two for 2019 to be honest yeah. yeah actually no no i got one i got one um uh taco falls uh first oh uh, yeah game in the garden it was only like a week <laughs> oh, yeah. ago that was yep. definitely a highlight that that might pop back up in our moments of the decade yeah in, in a moment <laughs> yeah, we'll sorry you were saving that weren't you it's My right, it's right <laughs> up there uh yeah i i, I had hayward's 30 whatever points against the Warriors last year. Uh, yep. Like the plane ride game where like that happened. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, you mentioned it, but last season was so many moments of like, oh, like they figured it out. Yeah. Like, you know, teething issues, whatever. Now, now this team who on paper just looks so amazing. Of course, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. And that to me, after already so many instances of, of that um, epiphany throughout the season, that was the one where I was like, oh, these guys, they fucking got it in the bag now. That yeah. Warriors game, <laughs> absolutely blew them out on their home court in Oracle. 30 points from Hayward. The plane ride, 
Kyrie apologized yeah. to all the players on the team. All like, the that shit is yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And then I had uh, sweeping the paces in round one and and the follow-up game one against the Bucs. Yeah. I was like, it's a good five-game stretch. Yeah, yeah Celtics nice. in five yeah. <laughs> against the Bucs. <laughs> I had it all written down. It was good to go. But um, yeah, we all know what happened there. From this season, everything, right? Sure. Cam- Campbell not? Walker smiling, Marcus Smart's D-boy campaign, Hayward looking like a Gordon Hayward, the high character rookies that we drafted, the winning, the winning of games. Yeah. So pleasant, so nice. Uh, but if I had to narrow it down to just one, it's the emergence of the Jays, like yeah. the jump that they've made, especially Jalen Brown. Uh, I mentioned earlier, there's this comforting underlying feeling of just like, everything's going to be fine for a while totally um and as someone who invests so much in the celtics like emotionally and all of that stuff just to to have that sort of knowledge to fall back on during bad times or whatever is just uh it's real nice Uh, i feel really good about that it's a great way to wrap up the decade uh as a bunch of celtics fans so shall we move on to the decade yeah let's do Top Celtics moments of the decade for you, Jackson. Okay. Take it away. So in case the listeners don't know this about me, and this will probably like just nosedive my, my credibility as Celtics fan. I only really started supporting the Celtics around about 2012, I think it was. About 2009 was when like, yeah. I've learned about KG. I learned about basketball and shit like that. I was like, yeah, sweet. Yeah, better late than never, man. 2012 was when I started, I was thinking. And I remember, I remember the game. No, I was 2012, 2013. Back into the 2013 playoffs. We were 3-0 down to the Knicks. It was it was going to be uh, KG Pierce and uh, uh, Rondo's last game mm-hmm. in uh, in the Garden. Wasn't it Rondo? No, it wasn't Rondo's last. Game. Anyway, PG uh, Garnett and Pierce. Sorry. Sure. Um, we were getting absolutely flogged, and I was watching my mates, and I just thought, ah, shit, what are we doing here? And then we went on this twenty six to zero run. We're down like 30, 32 or thereabouts. We go on this twenty six or twenty four to zero run. <laughs> Pierce down the lane, locking foul, counted and won! A 16-0 run, and the lead is cut to 10! And, like, we were all just going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, Avery Bradley just turned into, like, Steph Curry cross Michael <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Across. So many steals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a joke. And I remember just being so amped and so hyped. And this was like, we were 3-0 down that series. We'd won game four. We'd... I think actually we'd won the next two. If we had actually won this game, we would have gone to 3 3. And we're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like, that would have, like, it would have been gangbusters. But, like, just that run there, even though we ended up losing the game, I just remember, like, looking back on that so fondly and thinking, like, man, I was like, I'm really glad I got to watch this, particularly when, you know, Pierce and Garnett came off the, um, off the, off the court, too. So that comes to mind one of my early ones. How about, I got a few more. So how about I jump to you, Ben? You tell me one of yours. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ray Allen, game two of the 2010 finals. 32 points, eight threes, which at the time was a, a NBA Finals record for threes made. And since being broken by Steph Curry, who hit nine threes in game two in a win against the Cavs in 2018. Um, but that uh, the Celtics lost the first game of that series to the Lakers. Uh, that was game one in LA. Game two was going to be in LA as well. And if, if we lost that game, you know, obviously we lost the series eventually. But if we had lost, you know, back-to-back games to begin a final series in LA, it would have been all over. Um, And Ray Allen just had the most methodical Ray Allen game I have ever seen. It's still one of my favorite games to date. Just like bouncing off a series of screens set by like KG and Perk and and Glenn Davis, just like pinballing his way to just 
total openness and Rondo just like peak 2010 Rondo mm. perfectly feeding him the ball all game three Allen again another three six for six from downtown shades of Michael Jordan back in the finals they say the and even when he wasn't knocking down threes, he would like, because the defense completely adjusted, he would up fake. First, it was Derek Fisher defending him, who we just annihilated. Then later, Kobe. He would up fake them and take sort of one dribble to the left and in from the from the pick that was set for him and shoot like a deep two. And he was just money all game. And it, it was the perfect Ray Allen game. And if anyone ever asks, you know, how did Ray Allen play? How was Ray Allen most effective? How did he get his? Show them that game because it's it's like perfect it's so satisfying to see um that's probably my top moment of the decade uh the paul pierce three over lebron in game five of the 2012 eastern conference finals where he like turned around and there's a lot of theories as to what he said i think he said something like i'm so bad or something like (laughs) that uh right in his face pierce for three it's good paul pierce from way downtown and Boston leads by four. Um, like of all the moments that encapsulate the truth, like that to me, that was like the most baller shit I've ever seen in the NBA. Oh, yeah. What about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to you. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, a lot of like obscure moments come to mind, like bizarre ones. So like obviously there's the entire Isaiah Thomas experience. Oh, yeah. Um, probably like the probably about to be overtaken by by the jays but like i'd say to this point like the premier like player of like brad stevens like tenure in charge of the celtics um marcus smart might have something to say about that but do you know what i mean (laughs) um i'd say the 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 57 or 50 how many points did he have against the wizards it was absurd but this is like after he... 52, I think. 52, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was right. in the 50s. <laughs> it was the 50s, yeah. Um, and this was, I think, yeah, this was after his sister's funeral and had his teeth knocked out as well. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. d- he did that. And that was just like like absurdly inspiring. I remember it was like making news like in like on, on like coverages that like news articles that like never feature the NBA. I was living in England at the time. Like they, they, they don't know, they don't say nothing about NBA. And this was a story there. Like you cop this. Look at what this little, this little dude did. Isaiah Thomas to the hole. Isaiah Thomas is a machine. But that was amazing. Um, you the made, whole season, really, for oh, Isaiah yeah, Thomas, yeah, the little guy. Absolutely, amazing. yeah. It was so much. It fun. was so heroic, and it was so it was so fun to be on board um, with that, and just that 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 squad. You know, like I remember Kelly Olynyk and and guys like that. Man, that was I, I that looked very Maple fondly. Dick. Yeah, shit, yeah, <laughs> very fondly on those eras. Um, a quick shout out when you said Paul Pierce hits a three. I almost thought you were going to say when he came back as a Clipper and oh, got yeah. subbed in in of the course. last like twenty seconds and hit the of three. Course. That was amazing. I was watching that live and uh, was just absolutely like over the moon when it happened. Um, I've just named two more. Any more that you've got for me, Ben? I got a couple. Yeah. So I'm now getting more obscure and and specific. Celtics yes. at Warriors, March 14, two thousand and twelve, regular season game. That contained the most insane pass I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Rajon Rondo off a pick with a spinning behind the back pass to a yeah. Ray Allen in the corner. He could play at the end of the regular season. Down three. Might have been the best pass of the season right there. Folks, we talk about how good this kid is. Oh my gosh. Celtics won 105 to 103. Curry was out that game. Nate Robinson had 20 points and 11 assists like shortly after we jettisoned him from our team. Yeah. So it was like within that game that we won, there was a little like Nate Robinson revenge game. Yeah. 
Uh, Rondo had 14 assists. Allen only had seven points in his 32 minutes, but three of them included one of the most insane players I've ever seen over the last decade, particularly from the Celtics. So I had to I had to list that. And I, personally, my favorite Celtic highlight to dial up is from 2012. And it's Paul Pierce, game two against the Hawks in 2012. Rondo was suspended after game one after chest bumping a referee violently. And Pierce just comes out in this forward point guard combo, just like, backbreaker role and just like completely destroys the Hawks in every facet of the game offensively defensively he's putting up shots from everywhere he's ball handling in the pick and roll he's playing on the wing off off picks like he's just doing absolutely everything it's it's the quintessential Paul Pierce game in my opinion yeah. it's definitely in my my top plays of uh or top moments of the decade for the, I'm for so, the Celtics I'm so glad I got to see at least the back end of Pierce's career like if I had never seen Pierce play I would have felt like I was missing out like so badly and I'm like I'm sure like we all feel that love probably like about like Bird and stuff like that for those of us who are of the age Probably not to have um, seen him like in like live, obviously. But uh, yeah, I've got two more. Then I got two more that come to mind. Um, I could go all day, man. I, I mean, I could go a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wary. I'm wary of the time. But yeah, now two particular. Um, has to be the confetti game. Bellinelli catch and shoot, and it's good. They rule it a two, and we're going to overtime. Game three oh, against yeah. Philly. Um, <laughs> It, it, that just, just, uh, just the, 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 it was so funny. Wow. Got to sweep the confetti off the floor. Yeah. Because uh, the commentary said, oh, they've called it a two. And they had the scoreboard up as tight. <laughs> and this confetti's coming down. It's going to take a while to get the confetti off the floor here in Philadelphia as we've got overtime coming after Mark. And then I remember <laughs> we were waiting like 15, 20 minutes for them to clean it up. And I was like, yeah. it's going to be so funny if they lose this. The confetti is actually still coming down yeah. from the sh- and There's a ton of it. It's going to take a while. Yeah. And I was, I, and as I, I slowly started to go, you know what? They're definitely going to lose this. This has just got them. Yeah. This is such a Philly fucking 76ers thing to do. Operations here thought it was a three, but clearly a two. And is the confetti still coming down? Let's bring in Cassidy Hubbard now. So as you guys can see, confetti is still falling onto the court. And the word I'm ha- get right now is that the referees have to wait until the confetti stops falling and then clear the entire court. So it could be quite a bit of time yeah. before we can get it going back, guys. Yeah, thank you, Cass. I mean, again, as Doris mentioned, you can still see it coming from the ceiling. <laughs> and and the, the manner in which not only we got the basket, like I think they had the ball last and they had the shot to win the game. They turned that over. Steal. Yeah, 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 and then I think it was a Jalen Brown who got the layup or... I can't remember. Maybe it was Tatum. Uh, I know that Al got the steal. Yeah. But I, can't, I just remember Al's uh, Embiid's face trailing behind Al as he stole <laughs> yeah. the ball. And then you've got, yeah, and then you've got the Bellinelli two. And then I think, yeah, and then they, um, I think Reddick goes to inbound it, like right at the end of the o, o-, o- time, over time. And then it's stolen. I think it's picked up by Horford again. Um, Or is it the, no, sorry, the inbound to, to, to Horford puts us up. And then Reddick's inbound gets turned over again. And they just, yeah choked it away and that effectively yeah. <laughs> sealed that series i was walking around with the biggest smile on my face for like days i think it was one of the early days of us doing this podcast and i think if you listen to it back i'm just going i'm just just gonna laugh yeah. the whole time because i yeah. couldn't believe it so that but i think uh, now i'm pretty sure this is the best moment i've enjoyed of the celtics all decade again recent fan here speaking but i was in a restaurant in with my dad in brisbane um the same time the celtics were playing the rockets at home I had saw we were down by 30. I was like, fuck this. Went out with my dad, hang around. 
Started to check my phone. Come back on. Come back on. Oh, Jesus. Okay, now i got to watch. So I'm watching from about six minutes to go in the fourth. I think we were about like, got to eight or like, it's like four or five possessions. And then the, se- the, the moment Smart drew, drew the second charge, the first charge I went off, but the, when he drew the second charge. Time out. A to look to throw it in. In backcourt, Smart is all over Harden, who does not like it. But a push in seven, and Harden knocks Smart down, and is called for another foul. And on that, they lose the ball. Effectively sealing the game, I, I made the biggest, like, just racket and just, like, scene in this restaurant. I didn't get told to leave or get told off or anything, but, like, I was watching my phone just, like, screaming, like, just show, look, 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 look what yeah. he just did. Holy <laughs> shit, that's on. Ah. Like, I was just like having a full on like fit. I couldn't believe it. And it's like, yeah, it's dude. one of the best like comeback wins I've seen in any sport, like regular season or not. Like that was just so fun to watch and I'll never forget it. So yeah, I think that's, I think I could go on all night, but I'm definitely going to cap it at, at the, uh, the smart charges on Harden definitely yeah shout out to user the great snook as well who posted that play to the sub uh, yeah. a couple of days ago so I, I saw that um, and put it in my, my top plays as well so that's a huge one especially on James Harden as well who um, if you're not a fan of the Rockets so easy to hate mm-hmm. so easy to hate and when Marcus Smart who is like the defensive mirrored version of, of James Harden's elite <laughs> offense. Yeah. I don't know. It was just nice to see those two guys literally collide <laughs> twice in a way that won us the game. Um, I want to give a shout out to Timmy on Celtics Reddit as well. Timmy093, who posts every highlight of all of these plays that we're, we're talking about and more and will hopefully continue to do so in the future for the Boston Celtics. These guys need to hire him um, because he does that better than anybody else Subscribe on the planet. Subscribe to him, giving you money on Patreon. He's, he's, a, he's an absolute hero. Good on you, Timmy. Yeah, absolute legend. Uh, look, so many more plays to recount and I'm sure that there are uh, quite a few that we've missed. So please, in the comments for this episode, let us know your top plays of the decade for the Boston Celtics. I'm going to compile a list of all of these clips and, and post the ones that we discussed today uh, with the episode and then compile a bigger list once you guys have given us your feedback for, for later uh, in the year, which, uh, look, <laughs> looking at the calendar, that's tomorrow. So get your feedback to us pretty quickly. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a lovely and safe New Year's celebration. And if you're at a loss for something to do, sit down and watch all of the YouTube highlights of all the plays we've just discussed and hopefully of those that you submit in the comment section for this episode. And hey, why not go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod. Subscribe to the pod, rate us five stars, tell your friends, all of that lovely stuff. Jackson, thank you again, dude, for coming on. Are you getting up to much for the New Year's break? Doing anything special? Nah, man. Celtics uh, Hornets is 7 a.m. New Year's Day, our time. So I've got to be rough, fresh as a day. Yeah, that's one. right. <laughs> got to get um, a good night's yeah, sleep. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'll do something, but it's going to be... I'm old, man. I'm not, not going to get wild. Probably. Totally. I am in the same boat. The most exciting part of that period is going to be the 7 a.m. game against uh, Terry Rogier. <laughs> Scary Terry. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back in a week. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.